I have three questions for you, football fans. If the National Football League were Wall Street, how much stock would you buy in the Detroit Lions? Can the Cardinals make like a mythical phoenix to end the season? And have we finally put to rest the controversy surrounding the Music City Miracle? We talked to the guy who threw the final lateral. She is... Ew! It wasn't a lateral. Sorry. She is a disgruntled Holly Culbertson. I'm Adeshina Koike, and I'm not a Bills fan. You are listening (laughs) to a lot of sports talk. And we welcome you to another episode of Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. Thank you so very much for joining us. I'm Madashina Koike, and with me is my co-hostess with the mostest, Holly Culbertson. First of all, Holly, I'm so sorry to uh, mention the Music City Miracle, <laughs> but it's part of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. But uh, hopefully you're doing well outside of me mentioning the Music City Miracle and you wearing a Bill shirt right now. Yes, of course. You know? <laughs> right, yes. Always, always sporting my Bill, my Bill crazy fanatical love. <laughs> you have to, right? Yes. Uh, but yes, uh, the Bills are 6-6, six and six, a good number of teams in the AFC are 6-6, six and six, and we'll talk about a couple of those teams in our third down segment, but this is our first down segment, and we are talking about the week that was in the National Football League last week, or maybe more specifically this past Thursday, with the Kansas City Chiefs now taking over first place in the uber-tough AFC West with their 21-13 win over the Oakland Raiders on Thursday night. The Chiefs, as of right now, are the number two seed in the AFC, just behind the New England Patriots a half game behind if the Patriots were to lose on Monday against Baltimore the Chiefs will be the number one seed uh, in the AFC so I think you got to see some of that game uh, on Thursday Uh, yeah the Raiders uh, were hot so were the Chiefs the Mm -hmm. Chiefs Committed three turnovers. The Raiders did well uh, in terms of moving the ball, but did not score that many points. But the Chiefs uh, somehow got the victory despite turning the ball over three times. I guess being an arrowhead didn't uh, hurt as well. Um, The Chiefs get ignored in a way. They always have. I I say it every season. (laughs) Don't I say it every season? At least for as long as I have known you, you have said that. I have. They do. (laughs) They always get ignored. Do you think the Chiefs, they are a Super Bowl contender. Are they a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Can you see the Kansas City Chiefs of 2016 in the Super Bowl, in Super Bowl 51? Can you really imagine it? You can't. No. I don't think they're Super Bowl caliber. They're not. No. If they can win that AFC West, which has the Raiders and has the Broncos, the two teams that may very well be the wildcard teams, they can't. What about the Chiefs do you not like in terms of their – uh, long-lasting, sustaining power in the playoffs. Like, what about the Chiefs? Turnovers. The, the, okay. Okay. It's, it's that, I mean, <laughs> okay, let's, let's talk. I mean, three turnovers, for them to win that game with three turnovers is like, okay, that's a miracle. Yeah, I mean, that yes. doesn't happen in the NFL. We all know this. So, you know, and if Oakland, you know, fell a little short, fell a lot short in, in the third and fourth quarter. But when you have that kind – and they have turnovers pretty much every game that I've seen and highlights. And, and so okay. that, that to me, pulls them out of the caliber of, you know uh, – and Alex Smith is, is known for throwing interceptions. When you've got Dallas and New England, you've got a rookie quarterback in Dallas that – has got what, what, one or two interceptions the yeah, whole he's season done very, or something? Very, very well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, and yeah. Brady, hardly ever. So, you know, no, you got, no, they're, they're just not. Turnovers are, will kill them in the, and in, in, they'll make the playoffs, obviously, but that's what's going to hurt them in the playoffs. The one thing I will say in defense of the Chiefs, which is really interesting because you've been such a Chiefs supporter, not necessarily a fan, but you've liked what the Chiefs yeah. have done ever yeah. since uh, Andy Reid yes. got hired. Um, before that game on Thursday, uh, the Chiefs' turnover margin, if I'm correct, was plus 14. They turn over teams. Yes, they a do. lot. But when uh, it comes down to critical wins for them, yeah. they turn the ball over. The, okay. look, they, in they critical have, games. In critical okay. games. They, they turn the ball over, and they have a history of it. They've lost playoff games over turnovers in okay. the past. Yeah. So, and, and I don't see – and after watching Thursday's game – 
I kind of see that happening again. Okay. I'm well, seeing a pattern And here. I did see and the game last year in New England, New England? where they were in the game. Right. Uh, they lost were. by, I, I believe, a touchdown, if I remember. Yeah, it was uh, by seven. Uh, correctly. Frust- frustratingly. Yeah, Alex Smith, more often than not, uh, is pretty good at taking care of the ball from his days in San Francisco. He and is, but City. when it gets down to okay. com- coming back, he tends to try to yeah. needle in needle and balls yeah. in places he should not and he gets he gets picked off. And I guess that's the big issue. Is Alex Smith a big game quarterback in the sense of playoffs? I know he went to the AF- NFC title game mm-hmm. uh, with he San did. Francisco after beating New Orleans. They lost to the New York Giants in the yeah. uh, uh, title game, but that was turnovers, but not by Alex Smith, Smith. but by the special teams. That cost the 49ers in that one. It wasn't his fault. Uh, no. Yeah, so... Uh, the thing with the Kansas City Chiefs as well, they got a uh, uh, return for a touchdown. Their special teams is really good. It is very good. Very, very good. Tyreek Hill, the rookie wide receiver, has been a revelation. I think the Chiefs do have staying power. And if they do win the division, which means they have at least one home game at Arrowhead Stadium, that's going to be tough for any team three through six to go into Arrowhead. Minus New England. And yeah, three again, three through six. <laughs> okay. Yes, okay. New England. I'm gonna assume that New England is gonna be one or two in the AFC. Yeah. So if the Chiefs are one or two and get a bye and face one of the teams that play the wild card weekend and have to go to Arrowhead, that's gonna be a tall, tall order. It is. I it think is. it's a taller order going into Arrowhead to win a playoff game than it is going to New England. I agree. Uh, and uh, I agree, a, I agree because the fan base. Yeah. Yes. So the Chiefs with that victory twenty one we'll thirteen. The Chiefs are now ten. And three, the Raiders dropped to ten and three. Uh, is there a part of you that might have soured on the Raiders a little bit? They had a long winning streak. Uh, mm-hmm. is, is it just okay? They lost to a tough team on the road. You know. They lost to a tough team on the road. Yeah. Uh, you know, and they did not. You know, and the Raiders have made their whole season as the comeback team. I mean, they they've yeah. been down. I mean, the the week before with the Bills, they were down. It didn't look good for them, and there they go. They came right back, um, and that's. But some teams, you can't be the comeback team. You have to have the lead throughout the game. And Kansas City is one of those teams. They're not going to let you come back. And yeah. they did. Their defense stood up and didn't let yeah. them come back. So um, Oakland, if they're going to make a shot for the Super Bowl, they've got to quit coming back. They yes. gotta, they got to start off stronger. Yeah. Uh, that You're right. That has been their MO. Mm-hmm. Uh, second being a second-half team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw that last week, as you said, mm-hmm. uh, against Buffalo. They almost were able to do that uh, on Thursday against uh, Kansas City. But the Raiders now 10-3, and and it's tough going in the AFC when you're 10-3 and and you're the number five seed right now, mm-hmm. as the Oakland Raiders are. So that's uh, kind of the wrap-up of last week and last Thursday. Uh, one thing that I do want to mention right now is uh, the Detroit Lions. They're not 10 and 3. No. Um, they are 8 and 4, but they are playing really well very, right now. Very well. And speaking of comeback teams, the mm. Detroit Lions have been doing that all season long, except for last week when they were in New Orleans, and that was the first game all season where they did not trail at any points in the fourth quarter. Uh, and that definitely tells you that seven of their eight wins uh, were in come-from-behind fashion. As a matter of fact, uh, each of those seven wins, they scored the winning points either in the final two minutes of Is regulation or in overtime. Yeah. So uh, they've been walking a, a high wire uh, all season long, but very impressive in their win against the uh, New Orleans Saints last week. They are ahead by two games in the NFC South. I mentioned the staying power for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Detroit Lions, two games ahead in the NFC uh, North with four games to go. And you know about Matthew Stafford. You know mm-hmm. about the receivers that they have, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones. You know how they want to spread the ball around. Uh, but they haven't done that as much this season compared to other years. The defense hasn't been as great as it was maybe a couple of years ago no, when we isn't. talked about it. Uh, but they're 8-4. and four. They come back. They win games. They're very impressive at the end of games. Uh, as I said at the top, are you that much of a buyer in the Detroit Lions in the NFC? In their division? In the division. Yes. Yeah, I think they could win the division. I mean, their division is another kind of weak link in in, in NFL world. So Mm. it's a good shot that they will if they keep playing like they are. Um, You're right. Their defense isn't as good as it was two years ago. But I think it's enough. Yes. It's enough. Um, 
I could see them winning the division with with the other teams that are in their division. Yeah, I yeah. could easily see it. It's re- it's very reasonable to think that they would win. Yeah, it. they still have another game with the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. who have who have not been playing well, this not season. been playing well, and we're just waiting for them to play well. So they're running out of time <laughs> right. to do that. Exactly, because we all know they're my <laughs> second team, and they're frustrating me as much <laughs> as the Bills are. Ah, uh, but they do have to meet again before the end of the mm-hmm. season. Uh, and Green Bay won the first matchup in Lambeau Field. This game will be uh, in Detroit in a few weeks. Uh, you say that's going to be the, I think that's going to be their season right there. It's going to go down well, to that game. The last game of the season. Yeah, Green Bay yeah, in Detroit. Detroit. So you think in the final three games, yeah, Green Bay will gain at least one game on Detroit. Yeah, I think Green Bay will beat them. If, if Green Bay, I, well, this is my prediction. If Green Bay plays like they played last week, which is really they played good football last week, if they can keep that up until the end of the season, uh, Detroit, yeah, and, watch out. Yes, and, if they don't, then yeah, you got to say Detroit's got this. And there's definitely a chance the Green Bay Packers can gain at least one game on the Lions in the final oh, three yeah. games. Given that, yes, this Sunday uh, the Lions are home against the Chicago Bears. That Which, should be a win. They should. I, I, I pick them to win. They, <laughs> right? they better win. That then game. the game after that, they are. In New Jersey, playing the New York Giants on the road, and then they—that's going to be a good game. Yeah, and then they go on the road after that to play a Monday night game at Dallas. Oof. So, They're going to lose that game. So if the Lions lose one or two of those games, and Green Bay is able to win a couple or three games going into that final game of the season, then it will be Duke Green Bay and Detroit uh, for the division title. Now, Green Bay has a pretty tough game that we will talk about mm. on Sunday. They're at home, but they're playing the Seattle Seahawks. That's, uh, I know. And that's a oh, big game, game. Big game. And then Green Bay plays Chicago on the road. That sh- oh, at home. No, sorry, on the road. Excuse me. That they should, should be a win. S- they should win that one. Then they're at home against a Minnesota Vikings team that is next to last in offense. They've really suffered after the loss of Adrian Peterson, uh, really hanging their defense out to dry uh, yeah, they have. right now. Uh, they're two games back of the division as well. They're both and I was so, I was so excited about Green the Vikings this year. Yep, and then that matchup against the Green Bay Packers, Green Bay and Detroit to end the season, New Year's Day, 1 o'clock and forward. Well, the, I see Green Bay winning. I, don't, I, I pick Green Bay this week only because, you know, they're my team. But uh, it's gonna, they're going to have a hard time beating Seattle. They really are. Let's be honest. They're going to have a really <laughs> hard time. Yeah, yeah, and probably one of the big uh, news last week, uh, Seattle with uh, their win on Sunday Night Football against Carolina, but losing Earl Thomas, their yes, safety, to a out. broken leg, out for the season. And possibly and, into next season. Yeah. It's a pretty and, bad break. Yeah, and he may very well be the most important player yeah. of that defense, even with guys like Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett and Cam Chancellor on that defense. Earl Thomas is the quarterback of that defense. So he we'll is. see how the Seattle Seahawks fare. I think they'll adjust. I, I think they'll adjust. I really do. Yeah, but you think the Lions can win the division, but yeah. you're not giving them the division no. just yet. Nope, not yet. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Golden Tate, one of the leading receivers in the National Football League, and he was a former amazing. Seattle Seahawk. I didn't think he was going to do so well He's doing leaving Seattle going to Detroit, but he has done in the past couple of years, and he is one of the Definitely, I would say, 10 best receivers in the oh, league. And absolutely. depending on how you want to uh, rank uh, some of the top receivers in the league, Golden Tate definitely is at near the very top of the list. So that is our first down segment on Down and Distance. Our second down segment, as I alluded to, a segment that you will love and everybody will love. The Tennessee Titans are 6-6. Six and six. They're tied for first place in the AFC South. And we got a chance to talk with a Tennessee Titans legend former tight end and current radio broadcaster for the Tennessee Titans, Frank Wycheck, the man who threw the lateral to Kevin Dyson in the Music City Miracle all those years ago. Was not a lateral. We put to bed that controversy, and you will listen to that interview right after this on our second down segment, and then we'll come back for our third down segment. It's a third down and eight. Eight games we will talk about and make predictions on in week 14. So stay tuned. You are listening once again to Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk.
one of the teams in the AFC that has positioned itself to earn a possible playoff spot in 2016 is the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South. And joining us right now on the A Lot of Sports Talk podcast on second down on down and distance is one of the great Tennessee Titans to ever put on a Tennessee Titans uniform, tight end Frank Wycheck, working with the Tennessee Titans radio network as color commentator. First of all, Frank, thank you so very much uh, for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Oh, oh, thank you very much for joining us once again. And uh, no problem. Yeah, uh, Marcus Mariota, of course, gets a lot of the headlines. The number two overall pick uh, last year. Uh, he has matured this season. He stayed healthy uh, this season as well. Uh, is Marcus Mariota right on track? Is he ahead of schedule? What are you seeing from Marcus Mariota in year two under center for the Titans? Well. Yeah, um, a little bit uh, a different wrinkle as far as offensively. Uh, it's a it's a run first uh, kind of mentality, but obviously with Marcus and the skills, um, they you know they don't get lost in this. Uh, they they value Marcus. They like to get Marcus involved early in the game, get him some quick throws, get him some uh, quick runs, maybe some maybe some out of the Oregon Duck playbook just to get him kind of his blood flowing and then, uh, you know, use some things obviously with the, the run game to open up uh, the play action that he can, uh, he have a clean pocket and he can, uh, he can throw down the field. Uh, how much is Mariota's success uh, based on the, I guess, two headed, well, I guess three headed attack when you include Mariota uh, in the backfield with DeMarco Murray as well as Derrick Henry out of the University of Alabama? They're both averaging over four yards a carry, Murray almost uh, five yards a carry. So, how much of Mariota's success is tied to uh, the players in the backfield, specifically Murray and uh, Derrick Henry? Well, first it starts up front with the offensive yes. line. This is a, a group that's been that has improved uh, greatly um, from last year to this year. Um, their two tackles, Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin, the rookie from Michigan State, uh, pretty much uh, flawless in their play as far as pass protection and how they grade out in the run. They signed Ben Jones from the Texans to really sure up. Um, the um, you know the center position that uh, they've been lacking. So those guys up front have been doing a great job along with the tight ends. And then I, obviously, as you said, um, adding Demarco Murray in a trade with Philly, with John Robinson pulled that off. It was brilliant. Drafting Derrick Henry, um, you know, a guy that uh, you know can spell um, Demarco if you, if they need to, but. This is just a downhill running attack. It's Mike Malarkey uh, in that old school mentality. That's what he believes in. He brought in Terry Rubisky, uh, Russ Grimm with that same type of mentality. So they're really on the same page from the top all the way down to the bottom as far as the philosophy goes and the mentality of this team. Once again, Frank Whitecheck of the Tennessee Titans Radio Network joining us. Uh, you mentioned the downhill mentality, the old school uh, mentality. Is that something that uh, kind of catches teams off guard? Because you see so many teams now running a version of the spread offense, although they still want to uh, run the ball very much. But the uh, almost tight end, two tight ends uh, running downhill, is that something that catches teams off guard because it's something that they don't see as much uh, in the National Football? league yeah i think they they do just they add some wrinkles each and every week so i don't think they just get you know stuck in the mud and just running uh you know just 14 gut or or a stretch play every single time that is in their offense but they'll do some very uh you know complicated things as far as their blocking schemes go with their tight ends the way they shift and and with their formations that they really they understand that there's going to be an eighth guy in the box at some point to stop the run. They're going to have to defend that. So they do some things to, to get after that safety um, and just do some things. And then DeMarco just does a great job with his patience. After he gets the ball, he sets up his blocks, and then he's got that explosion uh, to bounce outside, and then he's got that power to really uh, – you know, lower his pads and, and to run over people. So 
it's really been a, a really nice marriage uh, you know, for both for both sides. Uh, and it's so interesting just looking at the Titans, and I saw uh, uh, one of the games uh, uh, that the Titans played earlier this season. They don't really have someone on the outside that a lot of casual fans uh, would know, at least those that don't play fantasy football uh, every single uh, day. Yeah. But uh, there are guys like Kendall Wright, who is a, a burner that can take the top uh, off the top of the defense. Rashard Matthews as well. Delaney Walker is a, a very versatile player, has been uh, since his days in San Francisco. So this receiving core may not have a household name, uh, but it looks as if uh, they have some great chemistry and they have a perfect balance with people who can do damage in the middle of the field and uh, Kendall Wright who can do damage uh, down the field. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think with adding Kendall, Kendall missed a few games with a hamstring injury, missed the end of camp, and that set him back. Um, I think he's getting in, in his football legs back now. Um, he's making some big plays down the field. Um, if you were to have a take the top off of the defense type of receiver, it might be Kendall. Uh, he's not that classic burner, though. But they just have a, a really good group of receivers that are very dependable. Um, they're bi- they're bigger. They're asked to block a lot in the run game, and then you know off of that, they really uh, Terry Robisky really designed some. Uh, some nice plays off the play action where you're running uh, two people to one side of the field, then you're sneaking a guy underneath and going to the far side of the field, which Kendall Wright, uh, you know, caught a couple big time passes as long as, as well as Matthews. And then Delaney Walker is, he's one of the best, uh, best tight ends in the league. He's not Rob Gronkowski. Uh, he doesn't claim to be, but he, he's a, he's a tough cookie. He blocks, um, he runs, uh, you know, after the catch, he's physical and he's definitely, uh, a, a, a key, he, he's the key cog of this offense. If they don't have Delaney Walker, they're not as successful. Exactly. Uh, on the other side of the football, on the other side of the line of scrimmage on defense, uh, a lot of teams you mentioned, uh, you see the Denver Broncos with Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware and some other teams that have, uh, edge rushers as serious threats to sack the quarterback on both sides, uh, of the formation. And Tennessee has that with, uh, Brian Arakpo, uh, as well as Derek Morgan as well. And, Jarrell Casey probably has been the best uh, defensive lineman for the uh, Titans in the past couple of years. But now when you add the edge rush attack, how dynamic uh, is this defense now? Yeah, they're really getting after it. And Coach LeBeau took over the the play calling duties. Ray Horton moved on to Cleveland. So he took over the the machine and uh, he's really dialing up some some exotic blitzes that the little wrinkles each and every week to, to get those guys, uh, you know, maximum pressure. And you're right. It starts with Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan, the high motor guys, they really come off the ball and they're, they're a terror for tackles that their speed and their strength. And Arakpo, uh, he has seven sacks on the year. Uh, he never stops going. And and then you got guys like you said, Jarrell Casey's one of the more underrated players that no one no one knows about in the league. He's one of the best interior defensive tackles in the league. He's not just power, he's he's really a great athlete. He understands leverage, he can slash, he's he's swim people. And the other guy that's really key up there is Carl Klug. When he gets in the game, he's a very underrated player and if you if you, you're a believer in pro football focus, Carl Klug grades out as, as one of the best defensive players each and every week. So, um, yeah, their linebackers are physical against the run. Uh, but the other, the, I think the weak spot would be, would be in the secondary because sometimes those guys get put in a position where they're on an island uh, up against speed receivers and, and they've, been, uh, they've been hurt by that. Um, is the pass rush and the defensive line kind of masking those possible weak spots in the secondary then? Yeah. I mean, if you can get to the quarterback and if you can you know, get pressure up the middle, you, I mean, those that quarterback's going to be having to step up and try to get off the spot. Um, play action has hurt them, but um, at the same time, they've, they've really done well against uh, opposing runners. 
um, which is they're they're very good against the run. Um, they shut down some pretty good backs uh, so far this year, and um, you know they, it just kind of goes hand in hand. Sometimes you don't they get pressure, but they don't get home, and a quarterback's able to slide out like Luck did a few times and hit Ty Hilton over the top. Carr did it a couple times with uh, Crabtree and and Cooper. And th- those were the two games that really stuck out as far as the, the struggles um, in the secondary. Uh, Ray Horton is someone that a lot of people have loved playing for, and Dick LeBeau for uh, his time with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We, we know how well the Steelers' defense did under uh, Coach LeBeau. Is it possible that uh, a lot of the defenders and the defensive players have an extra pep in their step playing for someone who is a Hall of Fame player as well as one of the innovators uh, of defense in the National Football League? Is there an extra pep in uh, the player's step knowing that they're playing for such a well-known uh, uh, assistant coach and defensive coordinator in Dick LeBeau? No, you're exactly right. I mean, they, they guys, those guys love to play for him. I mean, he just has this way about him to get the best out of his players. Um, obviously, the there's a built-in respect, as you said, with the Hall of Fame player. He's a Hall of Fame coach. He's done it for a long time. He's he's pretty much the inventor of the, of the you know his style, the fire zone, Pittsburgh Steeler defenses. And um, and the little wrinkles that he puts in, as I said, each and every week, those guys take it as a challenge, and they're like sponges. They just love. They just are at attention. They they they're, they listen to every word he says. They they take it all in, and and they really want to play play hard for him, and they want to do well for him, and feel bad if uh, you know if something doesn't go right that they feel like they let him down. Once again, Frank Whitecheck of the Tennessee Titans Radio Network joining us, color commentator. And I'm wondering, uh, how is the atmosphere in Nashville? I think it's Nissan Stadium now. I remember it as Adelphia Coliseum and LP Field, as you remember it. Uh, when you were playing there and the Titans were one of the best, if not the best team uh, in the AFC, it was a cauldron. It was tough to go into Nashville uh, and win, not just because of the good teams that you had, but because of the fan base as well. Of course, uh, the lean years in the past uh, few seasons has been tough on the fans. But how was the atmosphere uh, in Nashville during games and rallying around this very young team that has a lot of potential? Yeah, and I think that you know the, it's it's coming back, and it's not all the way back, but you can see signs that it's coming back. And you know how fans are; they they want to see a winning product, and I think they're noticing. And they really like this football team. John Robinson has constructed this football team with his acquisitions, uh, team first guys. He's, he's kind of building it out of the New England model that he spent 12 years, uh, there in, in, uh, in scouting, uh, in personnel. And, um, you know, the fans are coming back. I and mean, I think, you know, that Thursday night game against Jacksonville, there was, you know, the, the, the fans really affected you know, obviously the game when, uh, you know, defense is on the field, they're backed up, they get real loud. And, um, but, you know, winning cures a lot of ills. And once they start winning more and more at home and, um, and they're in the mix, you'll see, you'll see that that place pick up again because I know when I played there, it, it was rocking and rolling. There was no bet, there's no better place to play, no louder place to play than our place when, we were rocking and rolling. Uh, my co-host on Down and Distance, Holly Culbertson, she is a diehard uh, Buffalo Bills fan. So I have to ask uh, you that I have to ask you until right now, when was the last time you were asked about the Music City Miracle? Yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> have, you grown, have you officially grown tired of talking about that play? Absolutely game. not. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's it's one of the. It, you know I, I, I guess I'm known for that. I, I like to think that you know I played 11 years in the league and and did some things, but it was just such a special play. I don't know if outside people can really understand the magnitude of it because of you know that was our first year uh, in the in the stadium. Uh, we were vagabonds before that. Um, 
and we finally got you know where the Titans and the fans came out, and they, you know they we learned how to win early. We finally made the playoffs, which a lot of the players on that team never made the playoffs, and that was the first home playoff game. And then all of a sudden, you know, chips are down, and and um, you know that play happens, and and all of a sudden, I, I mean, whenever we we look at the play, I talked to Dyson and Lorenzo about it is that we don't really look at the play. We look at the fans. And you look at the fans and the roar of when Kevin's running down the sideline and people are absolutely like hugging each other that don't even know each other that, you know, just created bonds together. That's just something that outside people really don't understand and what made that, that play uh, so special and so many, in so many um, instances. And for many years now, you've been working uh, in the booth uh, with Mike Keith, who had probably one of the most famous calls in NFL history of that place. So how interesting is that, that now you have been working with someone who had, uh, whose voice is so associated with the play that you and the rest of your uh, Titans teammates made that day? You know, it's interesting. We were, I was just doing an interview with Lorenzo Neal and, and, and Kevin Dyson before we played the Raiders, and, um, and, and Kevin Dyson made the point, that, and it's so true, is that if Mike Keith and Pat Ryan didn't make that, make that call the way they did, I don't think the play would have, would have had luster to it. I think with Mike's call – that that really was the icing on the cake because it, it just he brought it together so well. Um, it was so organic, and you know it just just made the play that much better. Um, you know because every time I get interviewed, uh, usually they play that clip, and you know there's there's nothing like it. So yeah, Mike, you know he you know, he's definitely uh, a big part of that and the and the lore of that play. Yeah. Uh, do you get even goosebumps maybe now talking about it, or at least recently when you talk about that play? I do because, um, yeah, from the fan standpoint, but just, I, you know, it's corny when I say this, but I just feel like every football, like, um, analogy or, or, you know, some type of, uh, of, you know, you know, just coach speak or saying about football with communication and, uh, togetherness and preparedness and, and, uh, you know, not giving up and backs against the wall and, and be, and preparing for a situation, um, and knowing what to do, uh, and, and at that, at a critical time, that's what really happened on that play. It really did. I mean, it's always Lorenzo Neal to hands to Frank Wycheck, uh, to uh, pass it to Dyson, but it's just the other guys up front that really had to set up their guys to make them think that they got beat, and then they wheeled around to wall them off, and that's what gave Dyson the clear path to the end zone. So that's what I I really um, you know think about when I think back at those times because it was such a great play with just funny stories, you know, talking in the huddle about you know. If Lorenzo got the ball, he wasn't throwing it. He threw in a couple cuss words about it. So that's why I just went and 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 came and never thought that it was going to be kicked to him. But um, but Lorenzo, we talked about it in the huddle before, and he says, "If I get it, you better come get it off me." And that's why, if you watch the play, I go directly to him. He just kind of hands it back to me and I take three steps and zing it back and I don't even know who I threw it to. <laughs> it is so interesting uh, that you said that. It's the first time that I'm knowing it and I'm sure uh, people looking into that play a lot would say, oh, it was just so haphazard, but of course home run throwback is something that you would practice uh, enough times to the point where you might have said, why are we practicing this? It'll never Every occur. Saturday. <laughs> Every, Every Saturday. Every <laughs> Saturday. It'll never, ever, ever occur. There'll never be an instance. We, we, want, to, we want to get out of there so bad and that was the last, we want to just leave. You know, it was Saturday, we want to get it's a home game, we just want to you know, get home and rest and watch some football or get to the airport. 
and uh, we always were practicing that play. It was always kicked to me um, because, you know, I threw some passes during that season, uh, some double passes, and uh, and um, it worked like a charm. And But every time we're like, we're never going to run this. And sure enough, in that situation, uh, everyone knew what was going to be called and, and, and knew what to do. Well, uh, that is amazing to hear. Well, maybe except for my co-host right now. Who yeah, apologies to your, to your friend. But it was a lateral, uh, and I always say it was a lateral. I threw it. <laughs> it was a lateral. <laughs> oh, I threw it in a way you can't, you can't throw it backwards like the way I threw it. I would have to have almost twisted my arm to the front like I was throwing a screwball to go for it to go forward. I flung it back the way I fell back and and flung it back. Now it was close, but I knew I had to throw it backwards and and that and I did my job. There we go. Case it wasn't the prettiest pass, but it, <laughs> it, it got there. Case closed. It was backwards or at the very least uh, parallel. Okay, even exactly. down the line. Case closed. Sorry, Holly. Well, I think MIT, uh, you know, physicists or whatever, they broke it down and they said it was. Eight inches behind the line. <laughs> See, I don't know how any. I don't know how my partner or any other Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, no, they'll never. Be, they'll never believe <laughs> they'll it. Never that's believe okay. It. Yes, uh, Frank Whitecheck of the Tennessee Titans Radio Network. Thank you so very much for this fun interview. Uh, best of luck and success to the Titans. Best of luck and success uh, to your uh, continued post-football playing career. And we hope to catch up with you uh, down the road. All right, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. And we are back on Down and Distance. And thanks so much to Frank Wycheck for uh, spending some time and talking with us. That interview was about from a couple of weeks back when the Titans were 4-4. Four and four. They're now 6-6 six and six now. So a lot of the elements of that interview uh, still are relevant going into uh, this Week 14 game. So not only Frank Wycheck said it was a lateral. You have scientists, mathematicians, that said it did not go forward. So honestly, Holly, how can you refute that? How can you refute it? Okay, she's giving me that look, so I'll just go right to the third down segment. <laughs> I'll go to the third down segment. Uh, it's a third down and eight. Uh, eight games that we will make predictions on in this week 14. The first game we will talk about does include the Tennessee Titans. Again, a three-way tie for first place in the AFC South Tennessee Indianapolis, Houston, all 6-6. Six and six. Houston right now with the tiebreaker because they have the best division record of the three, but it's very tight, and the Tennessee Titans, who have beaten the Green Bay Packers at home and did so in did so thoroughly uh, in beating the Green Bay Packers, uh, scored over 40 points against the Green Bay Packers at home. They take on the Denver Broncos, who are 8-4, and four, holding on to the number six spot. Trevor Simeon, the quarterback, expected to play after his foot injury. So Denver and Tennessee, Tennessee, a tough out at home. The Denver Broncos, last week, going into last week's games, they were out of the playoff picture. Uh, because Miami was in the number six spot, but Miami lost last week. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Denver won last week, and uh, Denver is back in the number six spot. Denver at eight and four. Tennessee, an improving Tennessee at six and six. How do you see that game playing out in Music City? You know, I, I picked Denver in my pool, but now that I'm thinking about it more. I'm going to go with Tennessee oh, on this. Oh, oh, you having a little revisionist? Uh, little I, had, I have a revisionist. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, automatic, I think you just automatically pick Denver because of their defense, yeah. and, and you just automatically think Denver's going to do it. But you're right. Tennessee has been improving over the season, even though they're only 6-6. Six and six. They, they ha- yeah. are correcting the mistakes that they've made in the beginning of the season um, from the games and highlights that I've seen. Um, I, I'm going to... I'm going to pick Tennessee, oh. and I think it's going to be a very, very close game, though. I do yes. not think this is going to be a blowout either way. I, I'm going to pick Tennessee by, like, 
three. By three. Yeah. Uh, the Titan, which means that the Tennessee Titans would actually cover in Vegas. Tennessee is a two-point favorite uh, in this game against the Denver Broncos. It is very interesting because Frank – uh, talk it, but about, it could go either way. Oh, oh definitely. It absolutely. absolutely could and, go and, either and, way. And this prediction could go either way, yeah. depending on uh, yeah. what I feel right now, because I'm with you that it's uh, pretty much a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, and I feel bad we're going to – well, actually, let me start with the Broncos. Uh, their defense, as you mentioned, uh, still one of the best in the yeah. National Football absolutely. League. Uh, they're the best against the pass. But I guess because they're so good against the pass and not too many teams really challenge the Broncos against uh, their pass defense unless they have to, if they're behind and have to uh, challenge the Broncos secondary, the Broncos have not done very well in terms of stopping the run. But you can look at it in one of two ways. One, either they're not that good stopping the run, or two, you have to run on them because their pass defense is so good. Uh, The Tennessee Titans have one of the best uh, rushing offenses they do. in the National Football League. It helps that Marcus Mariota is a running quarterback, and Marcus Mariota is having quietly a very, very good season. And not only that, the only running back in the AFC, over 1,000 yards right now, quietly, DeMarco Murray, Murray. of yep. the uh, Tennessee Titans. I know. Two years ago, we were talking about DeMarco Murray, and I asked you if he was going to rush for over 2,000 yards. Okay. Everybody knew about DeMarco, DeMarco Murray. Murray. Now no one's talking <laughs> when, about him. When he had the star on his helmet, all right? But now you're in Tennessee. You kind but of he has away. been doing well. He's been doing well. Mariota's been doing well. Um, the Tennessee Titans have the best red zone offense in the National Football League in terms of scoring touchdowns. They score touchdowns on – they're the only team to score – touchdowns on over 70% of their red zone drives. Um, Denver has a great is, defense. Yeah, their problem, I think Tennessee's problem is their defense. Yeah, I mean, they, they can that's be leaky. Prob- it can yeah, be leaky. It's, it's leaky, it and that, be that's been problematic for yeah, them. But they're always exciting. Um, even yeah. If you get a chance to watch them, they're pretty exciting. Like, My cousin Mike will, will definitely agree with um, you on that. <laughs> and, and I will have to agree with you on your... Uh, switch of your pick from yeah. Denver to Tennessee. I'm, I'm, I'm going with ten. I'm going with Tennessee uh, too as well to defeat uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, so we started with the Denver Tennessee game because we want to transition from the Frank Wycheck interview. If it wasn't for the Frank Wycheck interview, we would have started with the Buffalo Bills, mm. and we will do that right now. The Bills at six and six and a tough out at home. Uh, they take on a Pittsburgh Steelers team at seven and five, tied for the AFC North lead right. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens have the tiebreaker over the Steelers, so it's a must-win for both. The Steelers still can win the division and possibly get a wild-card spot. For the Bills, they have to win. Ro- yes. <laughs> they have there, to there, run there, the table and then and hope. hope. <laughs> okay. yeah, so the, yeah, let's, yeah, then hope. I yeah. mean, Miami losing last week was a big help, but um, I needed other teams to, to lose, uh, too, yes. and it didn't happen. Yeah. So, so will the Bills start on this uh, winning track on Sunday against the Steelers. No. Oh, no. What, going against your team? I am. <laughs> it's that time of the year again it where – I'm realist- I'm a realistic Bills fan. I mean, I'm going to still be screaming at the television tomorrow okay, gotcha. and, and hoping maybe if I go against them, they'll actually win. Um, there, there's some unsettledness in Buffalo right now. I don't know if you've read the, the stuff. Um, you know, Tyra Taylor's job is on the line, um, I believe – Rex Ryan's job is on the line. Um, so there's a lot of unrest, um, especially with the offense. Um, we've had a lot of key injuries. We are going to have yeah. Woods back this week, but at a limited limited role. Um, Sammy Watkins has just not produced at all when he has been there. Um, if Pittsburgh can stop, the only way we can win this game is if Pittsburgh does not stop Shady. And if Shady has a good game, there's a there's a chance. Yeah, well. But they're going to be all over him. So I, I just don't see that we have offensively what it takes to win this game. Defensively now, if the defense can punch some turnovers, which they can do. Yeah. They've been kind of quiet about that lately. But if the defense steps it up and, um, you know, causes some turnovers, then there's a, a better ch- a better shot for us to win. But the way our defense has been playing the last couple of games, I, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm realistic. I love my Bills. You know I do. But I'm just realistic to this fact now. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right in terms of if the Steelers are not able to stop LeSean McCoy. And that happened uh, last month when the Steelers let Jay Ajayi mm-hmm. of the Miami Dolphins rush for over 200 yards. yards. And at that point, it was a shock that the Steelers went on the road and lost to the Miami Dolphins. Right. That actually started 
the Dolphins' six-game winning streak. It did. Uh, so there is definitely a chance, and the Bills are the number one rush offense in the National we Football are. League. We are. Uh, so you're right. If the Bills with Mike Gillisley and LaShawn McCoy. Oh, Gillisley, our powerhouse. Love him. <laughs> right? Love him. Yes. If, if, if those two get going and allow Tyrod Taylor uh, some easy throws and take the pressure off of him, then I see the Bills definitely giving uh, not the Steelers not only just a tough game, but being able to beat them as oh, well. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers do have those games once in a while where you think they're going to win this game, and then all of a sudden you see them play and go, what's going on? Yeah, uh, like the I Miami don't, game. I'd like, but I don't think they're going to let that happen yeah, again. Me neither. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we both uh, pick Pittsburgh. Uh, the next game, we'll go back to the AFC South. The Houston Texans, who are technically in first place because of the tiebreaker at 6-6, six and six, take on another 6-6 six and six team in the AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts coming off of their dominating win on Monday Night Football ball against some team that I root for, which I won't mention by name because mentioning them uh, by name will give me hives. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Houston and Indianapolis at 6-6. Six and six. Uh, Is this last week Houston had to play in the snow in Green Bay and lost that game uh, by a couple of touchdowns. Can the Texans rebound on the road again or did Monday night's game give Indianapolis enough momentum to finish strong in the 2016 season. You said exactly what I was going to say. I, I, I picked the Colts. I picked the Colts because I watched the Monday night game. Why? And Because <laughs> I watched football. I, you know, I know how, a lot how, of people. How long did you watch it for? Oh, till halftime. Okay, but at any anyway, I had to go to bed. But at any rate, I did start watching it. Um, you know, I did see there was a spark in in the Colts that I had not seen all year. I, for some reason, I was like, wow, this is like a whole new team. It really seemed that way. So I was like, whoa, look at these guys. So, yeah, I, I, I'm picking Colts because I think they're going to be running on that high. And they played well uh, on Monday, and I think that's just going to roll over to this week. Yeah, I think so, uh, too, as well. And uh, for the past few weeks, uh, the team that I don't want to mention has allowed teams to look pretty good. Uh, but you're but right. even with that... Even with that, yeah. they played good football. I mean, yes, they, they I mean, just Andrew Luck was on fire. He was. Uh, I mean, he was on just Monday. In, he was on, and I think that's just going to continue. I think he. I think Andrew Luck also feels like he has to prove something in the NFL. Yeah. He's not had a real good couple last seasons, but he's mm. such a good quarterback. So. I think he's almost trying to prove to himself and the world that he's still he's still significant and yes. and he looked he looked significant on he Monday. Very yeah. good, yeah. very very good uh, on Monday. I agree with you. I take uh, Indianapolis uh, in this uh, uh, football game. Uh, who do you think right now is the favorite in the AFC South? Houston, Tennessee, Indianapolis. Of those three, four games left. Can you pick a favorite, or would you have to really like kind of evaluate their schedule, uh, or is I, it just you know throw it into the wind and see where? I, I'm throwing. I'm throwing this into the wind, <laughs> right, and see where the chips fall. Uh, I'm throwing this into the wind. I'm going to go with Indy. You go Indy yeah. to win. Uh, the, yeah, win the but I'm throwing that in the winds. So okay. We'll, yeah. We'll, exactly. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we are uh, both tape take Indianapolis. So I think that's what, three for three mm-hmm. uh, in terms of agreeing? Well, we'll see if uh, we agree on this one. In South Beach, the Miami Dolphins at seven and five coming off their loss to the Baltimore Ravens that uh, snapped their six-game winning streak, and the Miami Dolphins uh, had that winning streak snapped unceremoniously, 38-6 to six at the hands of the Humboldt. Baltimore Ravens. They take on an Arizona Cardinals team mm. at 5-6-1, and one, but coming off a big season-saving victory over Washington, 31-23. So Arizona at 5-6-1, it may be hard to win the division, especially with the Seattle Seahawks yeah. in the same division, but there is a chance for a wild-card spot, there but is. that does require the Cardinals to win out. To win out. And it would start, and it did start last week against Washington. Does it continue in Miami against the Dolphins team only a game out of a wild-card spot in the AFC? Yeah. This one's a tough one for me. Very tough. Uh, very tough. I mean, I need Miami to lose this weekend. So um, I picked Arizona on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, You can I, stick with that. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. No, I, I, I actually I, – I'm going to have to go with Miami on this because I don't think Arizona is going to be able to stop Ajahi. Okay. 
Okay. Um, I, oh, I think I butchered his name again. No, Jay Ajayi. Ajayi. Right. Ajayi. Right, yeah, right. you got it right. You got it um, right. If you can pronounce my name, which is Nigerian, you can yeah, pronounce yeah, Jay Ajayi's I, I, name, which is and Nigerian I can pronounce as well. Your name. Okay. Yes. Um, all right. Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to be able to stop him. Okay. Uh, and Not uh, many teams can. No, not many teams can. Baltimore did, teams, though. I, yeah. I was, well, Baltimore's the number one defense in the league. I was damn impressed with that. Uh, Baltimore's the number one defense yeah, in the I know, league. It is. Arizona's the second best. I know. But, <laughs> I mean, hey, I want Arizona. Arizona, if you're listening, I want you to win. <laughs> um, but I think it's going to be, again, this is going to be another close game. It's a game yeah. I'm going to be having up on my second screen on my NFL Sunday ticket. Because so she has nine it. screens. Because okay. I have nine. Yeah, I'll have it all over. <laughs> um, so, but I do, I, I'm going to pick Miami on this one. Because yeah. they're home, and they're hard to beat at home. They are uh, harder to beat at home than in previous years. Going yes. to Miami isn't yeah. the most daunting no. road trip. No, uh, but th- this year it kind of has been yeah, for you know, a lot of teams. Yeah, Pittsburgh's it has gone there and lost, yeah. and then uh, the Dolphins really started that yeah. uh, winning streak. Yeah. Um, with Arizona, I mentioned uh, the Arizona Cardinals needing to win out. And a couple of years ago, I had mentioned this, and I forget the team uh, that had the tie, but we had debated about ties and whether they hurt or they help. When it gets to the end of the season, ties, in my opinion, help. They help very much. Only if you can continue to win games. So what I'm getting at is I don't think the number six seed in the NFC at the end of the year will have ten wins. I don't think so. I think the number six seed will have nine wins. If that happens, nine, six, and one, if the Cardinals were to win out, beats nine and seven. 9 6 and 1 beats That's 9 true. 7. It does. Right. But that requires the Cardinals to win out. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I mentioned at the very beginning, can the Cardinals make like a Phoenix? Uh, because the Cardinals uh, have been struggling. They were 4 6 and 1. Looked done after getting shellacked a couple of weeks ago in Atlanta, uh, 38 to 19. But a big win last week against a Washington team that at that point was the number six seed uh, in the uh, NFC standings. Uh, Arizona knocked them out of the number six seed with that loss, Washington's loss, Tampa Bay is the number six seed in the NFC. If the playoffs started right now, the Buccaneers would be in. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, wrap your head around that one. I know. Uh, <laughs> right? Uh, but we won't be talking about the Buccaneers this week. But no. I do think, even though it is a West Coast team playing on the East Coast, Eastern time zone, at a 10 a.m. local for them, or at least 11 a.m., because they're now mountain time after the time change mm-hmm. in the fall, uh, 11 a.m. start time, 1 p.m. start time on the East Coast. I do think that the Cardinals, who are both in the top 10 in offense and defense, can come away with a victory. It's almost as if their stats, number nine in offense, number two in defense, and their record, five, six, and one, they don't match. No, they don't. They don't match. No, not I, at all. I think it starts to match... I would love to see that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think it starts to match. Okay, and I think well, Arizona wins on right. the road, gets the 6-6-1, six, six then plays New Orleans at home after that. Then they have a big Saturday matchup against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. See, they're not going to win that game. I think they can. Because oh, they have gone on the road and beat Seattle on. before. Before. A couple of years ago couple with the same cast. Same cast. Yeah, no. Same cast. Just it was a couple the same of years ca- ago no. for both teams. No, they're not going to beat Seattle. And then they end the they year did that. on the road against uh, yeah, they Los did Angeles. It. Yeah, no. Well, I, well they'll, they'll beat Los Angeles, yeah. but... No, not going to beat Seattle. I so, th- okay. No. Okay, I think the Cardinals, and I'm okay, putting that, it on the record. Okay. Cardinals win out when their final five games, okay. including the game last week. They go to 9-6-1. and one. They make the playoffs because they beat every other 9-7 and seven Okay, team. we definitely have to bet a beer on this. Yes, one. and okay. even if Washington, who also has a tie, even if Washington is 9-6-1 at the end of the season, if Washington and Arizona are both 9-6-1, guess what? Arizona beat Washington okay. last week. Yep. Tiebreaker. Yeah. So... I'm putting it on the okay. record. All right, we're well, right, betting a drink on this. Okay, one. no problem. All right, that one's They're on going the record. To run the drink table. That That's my fourth down right. segment right now. Okay. Speaking of Washington, they're on the road in the city of brotherly love against a Philadelphia Eagles team that at one point was the talk of the National Football League Not because now. of Carson Wentz. Now they're five and seven. Uh, Washington two and a half point favorite at Lincoln Financial Field. Washington out of the playoffs as of right now. A couple of weeks where they've had tough road games and have played well. Yeah. 
but lost to Dallas yep. on Thanksgiving and then lost to Arizona on the road. Those are two get, tough I teams. thought they were going to get Dallas. Two tough teams. So third consecutive road game for Washington. Can they finally get a win on the road against the Philadelphia Eagles, or do the Eagles show some pride uh, and come away with the victory? A mild I, upset. I got Redskins on this one. You got, you got Washington? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick Washington as well, only for the fact that we will be in Washington next week when they play Carolina, and I want that game to really mean something. Um, and I do think that Washington will win. Washington has one of the best offenses in they the do. NFL, which I'm kind of surprised they do. Uh, at that now. Robert Kelly, the running back, is doing well. Kirk Cousins is having a very fine season and yes. uh, really cementing the fact that he is the quarterback of the future yes. uh, for, oh, for Washington as yep. well. Uh, I, As much as I want to pick Philadelphia, and I really do. Smart move. Don't pick I'm them. Thinking Was- I'm thinking Washington. Yeah, I'm Washington's picking, got I'm it. I'm picking Washington on that I one. think by like 10. Oh, wow. That's, that's, a, that's a big margin. Yeah. That's a, that's a big margin. Yeah. That is a pretty big margin. It is. So those are the 1 o'clock games. We go to the 4 o'clock games, and there's only one 4 o'clock game that we will talk about. New Orleans and Tampa Bay. No, I'm kidding. All right. <laughs> you think Tampa's going to win that one over New Orleans at home in Tampa? If they do, they're 8-5. and five. Tampa. No, I don't think they won that. You think New Orleans will go on the road and I think defeat Tampa? I think they okay, no problem. Well, unofficially, we disagree on that one. Okay. Okay, so that won't count in our standings. Okay. Um, one four o'clock game that we will talk about right now, and that is with your number two team, uh, the Green Bay Packers at 6-6, six and six, coming off their victory against Houston. Oh, this game. Taking on the Seattle Seahawks at 8-3-1. and one. Seattle with a dominating win last Sunday night against Carolina. Uh, Thomas Rawls got going, the running back for Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson had a pretty good game. Only one downside. And as I mentioned, the injury to Earl Thomas, the broken leg that will keep him out for the rest of the 2016 season, no matter how far the Seattle Seahawks go in this season and in the playoffs. We assume that they will make the playoffs as the NFC uh, West Division champion. So Seattle against a Green Bay team that still thinks that they can turn their season around and Mm -hmm. may believe that they started to... Uh, begin that turnaround last week or a couple of weeks ago when they beat Philadelphia uh, on Monday Night Football. They've won two straight. They now Looks have, good in both games. Yep, they now have the Seahawks. If they win that game, then they have the Bears after that, mm-hmm. then the Vikings after that at home before their season finale in Detroit. So have the Green Bay Packers started to turn it around? And if they have... Is it enough to beat the Seahawks in Lambeau Sunday afternoon? Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. We have a possibly. All possibly. Right. But I have to pick one. Um, you do, I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to pick Green Bay at home. Close game. But I'm going to pick Green Bay. I think they're a little on a roll right now. Um, I think the loss of Thomas for Seattle is going to hurt him a little bit. It will. Uh, it, not a little, a lot. But it. I think they'll adjust and they'll do okay for the rest of the season without him, but it's it's a fresh wound. So I, I'm I, I'm weakly picking Green Bay this week. <laughs> if Green Bay were to win, I think the NFC North will go down to that final game. It will. If they beat Seattle, they will beat Chicago the week after oh, that. Oh, yeah, easily. They will beat Minnesota at yes. home to go into that last game against uh, Detroit for the division. You can almost envision the Lions being in such a good position and then frittering it away. Here comes Green Bay. Yeah, here comes Green Bay at the end to steal it. And Green Bay did beat Detroit Mm -hmm. in their uh, only meeting, in their first meeting uh, at Lambeau Field. Boy, it's really tough. This is a tough game to pick. We were in New England when Seattle defeated, when Seattle defeated the uh, uh, New England Patriots. And in that game, C.J. Procise, the running back, had over 130 total yards in that game. They needed a running game. They got their running game, and then Procise got hurt. He's out for the year. Thomas Rawls, who was hurt last year, when he got going, he's back now. So if the Seahawks have a running game, it's very important. I think if the Seahawks have a running game like when they had Marshawn Lynch, uh, I think they're unstoppable. I think that... They, I think they're the best team in the NFC if their running game's going. Right. Better than Dallas. Yes. Uh, but then uh, I think so. But ProSize went down. Rawls is now doing well, but I have to see him do it for a couple more, more games. Right. Now with Earl Thomas out, 
I need to give the Seahawks at least one week. I need to see them for a week without Earl Thomas. So yeah. given that, I boy, same with you. Green Bay by a hair. Hair. Green right. Bay by a hair. Green Bay by a hair. Now the 8 o'clock game that's across the river from us at MetLife Stadium, the Dallas Cowboys at 11-1. and one. Uh-huh. They are the first team to clinch a playoff spot. They have a chance to clinch home field advantage if Seattle and Detroit were to lose on Sunday and the Cowboys win. Dallas against the New York Giants. The Giants now 8-4 and four after their loss last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers 24-14. to 14. Uh, Primetime game, Dallas-Giants, NFC East rivalry. Uh, the Cowboys' only loss came against the Giants in the season opener. Can the Giants pull off the double play? No. No. Okay, they won't pull, they won't pull off the double play. No. Not at all? No. No. Nope. No chance. No chance. Not at all. Not at all. Dallas is that good for you yep. that they'll just go into yep. MetLife Stadium and just take the, care of Take care the of Giants. business. Did you see the Giants game last week? I they played the horribly. Giants. No, they played they, um, they did play horribly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, they did. They did. They did. Um, uh, yeah, no, Dallas has got this. Okay. That, that, there's, Dallas has got Dallas this. Dallas has got this. Um... I think Odell Beckham Jr. will have a pretty big game. I guess that's oh, not I, I'm not revelatory. Si- I'm not uh, saying not, that he's not, not going to have a big game, I, I, and I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but yeah. I think Dallas has got this. Okay. Um, Sorry, Giants fans, my okay. friends. Sorry. Yep. Um, boy. I guess it's one of those, until you see the Cowboys lose, you don't pick against them. <laughs> it almost seems like that. They're I mean, having, they are having a fairy tale. They're having, they're they are having the, the Cinderella story this year with their two rookies, and they are just going. Yeah. And you know what? Good, good on them. I mean, they're having a good season. Um, and I think, you know, their, their head coach is, you know, he, yeah, he's, Jason Garrett. Yep. Yeah. Garrett's been a solid rock for that team. He's stuck by his players. He's, look, I, I am no fan of Dallas, but they're good. <laughs> They're good. Many people <laughs> listening are not fans of Dallas. Does, do the are the Cowboys? I guess more likable in a sense, given that Dak Prescott's. I, I think they are a little bit more likable because of him and Elliot, because they're likable guys. You know, they they're, they're humble. They they they're excited. They're young. They you can see it in their faces, and they're doing well, and they're just rolling with it and having a good time. And it's hard not to get caught up in that. Yeah. All that said. I'm taking the Giants. Oh, all right then. <laughs> all that said, I think uh, the Giants. I'm excited about this game. Yes, actually. I am too. Yeah. Uh, and I and we are excited given the fact that we will be in Foxborough, Massachusetts on Monday night in person for the Monday night game between the Baltimore Ravens, who lead the AFC North at seven and five against the New England Patriots at ten and two. The Patriots are the number one seed. Will they stay the number one seed with a win against Baltimore? God, I don't want them to win. Um, I'm picking Baltimore just because I think it's going to be the upset of the week. Okay. I really do. I think Baltimore could, it can, easy, can easily beat New England if they don't screw up at yeah. all, um, which Baltimore could do. But I do think Baltimore's defense can handle New England's yeah. offense. I, I, I think it, they're one of the defenses in the NFL that can. Um, so I'm really, really hoping for the big upset um, and – New England's defense has never been really strong, still isn't really strong. Okay. So I, I'm going I'm going with Baltimore with the upset this week. Which a lot of <laughs> I've been a lot of people are picking Baltimore for the upset this yeah, week. So yeah. I, I'm picking Baltimore for the ups, the major upset this week, which would make me so happy. If there's one team that has done as well as any other team in the National Football League going into New England, it is Baltimore. Baltimore. They have a couple yeah, of they, playoff victories, victories in there. Foxborough. Right. They can uh, beat with them Joe there. Flacco yeah. uh, at quarterback. Yep. Uh, it will not happen on Monday. Mm. Uh, I believe the Patriots will win, uh, and I believe the Patriots will stay number one in the AFC and be the number one seed going into uh, the. The Could NFL very playoffs. well possibly so, happen, but I'm going for the upset. Yes. Uh, so that's our third down segment. And now our fourth down segment really quickly. And you will love this. And we, you all know what the fourth down segment is. I present a hypothetical. Holly will say, yes, it'll happen. She'll go for it. Or no, it won't happen. She'll punt. Uh, the hypothetical is about the star quarterback on the team that has a star on its helmet. Uh, of the 12 games that Dak Prescott has started, 10 of them. He has recorded a 100 or better quarterback rating. Mm -hmm. Only a few quarterbacks in NFL history 
have recorded more than 10 games in a season of over 100 quarterback rating. The record is 13 by Aaron Rodgers in the 2011 season. You can do the math. If Dak Prescott does it four more times in the final four games, he will have the new NFL record for most 100 or better quarterback rating games in a season. I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to ask you if Dak Prescott can break it. I will say, as a hypothetical, Dak Prescott in his final four games will post at least three more games where he has a 100 or better quarterback rating and tie Aaron Rodgers' record for most games with a 100 or better quarterback rating in a season. He has four games. If he does it three times, he ties the record. What's the Go. schedule? <laughs> okay, so Giants. That's, yeah, I knew the Giants. <laughs> right? That's the other thing. Okay, they have the Giants now. So that is the hypothetical. So that's a pretty, pretty, pretty uh, interesting uh, stat that I just uh, uh, came by. Uh, I didn't even realize that that I didn't either. had 10 games out of 12. With I didn't know that either. Rating or better. And okay. the record is 13. Okay. So it is the Giants on the road on Sunday. Tampa Bay at home after that. Detroit at home after that. Philadelphia on New Year's Day on the road. So if Dak Prescott were to play all those four games and record a 100 or better quarterback rating, he would break the record. I'm asking, will he tie the record? Will he do it? three more times and tie Aaron Rodgers' yes. 2011 record. Yes. So you're going for it. Yeah, I'm going for it. You're going for it. Yeah, because of the rest of their schedule. Yeah, going for it. If Dak Prescott does that, is he your MVP? Yes. Of the league? Yes, absolutely. If he does that, absolutely he will be. More than Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, Derek nope. Carr? No, nope. he's got it. If he does that, his rookie season, he's not only does he got rookie of the year, <laughs> he's got MVP. He's got MVP. Who's yeah. your rookie of the year, Prescott or Elliott? Prescott. Prescott. Yeah, okay. Prescott. Okay. I mean, El- both are in the running. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, <laughs> but if Prescott gets that, then he definitely has rookie of the year. If he doesn't get that, then I think they give it to Elliot. But I, I he's going to get that. All right. So that so Holly goes for it on fourth down. So that's what we like to see. Aggressiveness. Okay. So, yes, that is our show for this weekend. We thank Holly Colbertson so very much. And we will see you down the road on Down and Distance on A Lot of Sports Talk. Stay tuned to a lot of sports talk.com where we have coverage of the number one team in the country, the Villanova Wildcats, taking on Notre Dame uh, in Newark, New Jersey. So, uh, for Holly Colbertson, my name is Adashina Koike. Thank you so very much for listening. We will see you down the road on Down and Distance on A Lot of Sports Talk.